0: Samson, we are in Chapter Sixteen. The second message on Samson. Let's pray before we begin, Father. You know, my heart, you've heard my heart, Lord. My biggest fear is that uh, people in this room see Samson as a, um, so unrelatable. Not a whole lot to learn, more like a fairy tale. And Lord, there's a reason you give more verses. You dedicate more verses to Samson more than any other judge. Lord, there's so much to learn here. So I just pray, God, in Jesus' name, that you will uh, use this time, Lord, for as a sobering time for us to really consider uh, this man's ministry, his shortcomings, his failings, Lord, you wrote this for, among among other times, you wrote it for the year 2019, for, among other places, the city of Boston. Speak to our hearts, Lord, during these times we need your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, a couple weeks ago, we were in... Judges 14 and 15, we're going through the book of Judges chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and uh, we began the story of Samson, actually 13, 14, uh, and 15 we have been through. And uh, what we, where we've been already was that uh, Samson's father Manoah and his, his mother, uh, they got a visitation from the Lord prior to the K- Samson being conceived. Samson's mother was barren until old age, much like Sarah was and Abraham, and uh, sh- she had no expectation that she would be um, having uh, a child in her life. And uh, she was visited by the Lord. And she, was t- uh, she and her husband were told by the Lord uh, to commit their son to a Nazarite vow. And so a Nazarite vow, that's the same kind of vow that John the Baptist was under and also Samuel. And they were usually short term for a period of months but there are a few people in the Bible that uh, figured out at age seven or eight that their parents had made the vow for them. It was a vow of consecration. Consecration. If someone just really... We're all supposed to have consecrated lives, and uh, there's no such thing as a Nazarite vow in the New Testament. But but, um, at the time, uh, a person, uh, a man um, or a woman... Uh, could make a Nazarite vow to the Lord. It was a special vow of dedication of a life solely to be lived for the Lord. And so the people that we see having a Nazarite vow for their whole life, their real whole life was uh, ministry, uh, a public ministry uh, to the Lord. We're all in ministry, whether we're in a secular job or not. We're all in full-time ministry uh, there is such a thing as uh, a full-time public ministry. Doesn't mean that someone is more spiritual if they're in full-time public ministry. But um, the the three who took uh, lifetime Nazarite vows uh, were in public ministry their whole life: John the Baptist, Samuel, and Samson. So, what were the three things? Couldn't touch a grape or drink from anything, any extract of a grape. Uh, for your whole life. So, of course, no wine, and that extended really to any alcohol. You were not allowed to touch an un- uh, a, a dead body um, uh, ever, even if it was your own p- uh, parents. Now, in the Old Testament, um, the Jews were allowed to touch a dead body, but they were unclean for one day, and they had to uh, cleanse themselves at the end of the day. But a na- person with a Nazarite vow never. And then finally, the last... One was they were to put no razor to their head. And so uh, they had really long hair. And so uh, uh, we've been with uh, Samson for a while. We have already uh, discovered that he, uh, notwithstanding the fact that he had an anointing and a calling on his life, um, he really had, uh, he didn't have, uh, too much hesitation of violating the word of God or even his own vows. So we, um, we saw him take uh, uh, Mary, a daughter of the Philistines, which is clearly prohibited. Deuteronomy 7, uh, th- uh, verses 3 and 4, clearly prohibited intermarriage with the nations. Uh, and as well, we saw him Grabbing honey out of a dead lion, so he was—it uh, was a dead thing—and and someone with a Nazarite vow was not allowed to do that. We saw him walking among the grape, uh, 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 among the vineyards. It, it's it—it's uh, a fair implication that um, he was having grapes because he had separated himself from his parents uh, when he did that, and so um, we. Uh, uh, so, but he takes this uh, this Philistine woman as a wife, but um, uh, um, at the end of uh, the time. Uh with the, the end of the seven days, um, he, at the beginning of the wedding feast, there was a seven-day wedding feast. He gave them a riddle. Samson's into riddles uh, and, and stuff like that. And he uh, bet them 30 pieces of garments. Uh, these were the 30 Philistine men who showed up at the wedding t- as kind of like attendants. Uh, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, very oddly, Samson's just always by himself. He doesn't have any friends Proverbs 18, verse 1 says, he who isolates himself uh, rages against all wise judgment. Uh, it, he's just always by himself. So they actually brought him friends for his wedding, brought him a best man. Um, well, they threatened his, um, he, uh, they, they went to his uh, bride-to-be and said, you, um, because he told him a riddle and he said, he, he said um, you know, I want you to solve this riddle and if if I win I get 30 garments if if you win I'll give you 30 garments and so um, they went to his bride-to-be and threatened her with her life uh, uh, upon her the death of her household that she needed to get the answer to the riddle she got it and uh, then he they give it to they give the answer to the riddle to Samson he flies off in a rage Um, He takes off without his wife and um, uh, comes back, finds out she had been given to another man, winds up killing a thousand Philistines. Now, the Philistines had been, uh, remember in the book of Judges, there's a cycle. uh, This is the time. The book of Joshua, which is right before Judges, is a time where the Israelites obeyed it was a picture of obedience to the law of Moses. And, and just as the law of Moses in Deuteronomy had said, with obedience came great prosperity. The book of Judges is just one uh, generation after another falling into disobedience. God would raise up, a, uh, raise up an enemy to oppress them to turn back to the Lord because inevitably they were going after foreign gods. And, and when they were oppressed by the enemy, a judge was raised up to rescue them. Samson's the beginning of, uh, of their release from the, the Philistines. The Philistines had been oppressing them for a number of years at the time that Samson, um, that Samson shows up. So the first uh, real victory there um, was in chapter 15. He destroys a thousand of them with the fresh... Jawbone of a donkey. So that brings us to chapter sixteen. Did we already pass out Bibles? I think we did. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. Someone will bring it. But chapter sixteen, verse one, you can go along with me. By the way, verse twenty uh, of the previous chapter says, "And Samson judges Israel twenty years uh, in the days of the Philistines." So this is pro- this is this is, appears to be. 20 years into his leadership, and his leadership is going to end really soon. But uh, high drama here. Verse 1 says, Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. And so even 20 years uh, into, his, uh, I- into his leadership, into his anointing, uh, he still doesn't get it. He still doesn't get it. Uh, uh, he is, um, yeah, he, he, he's still very much the guy who thinks that the rules that apply to everybody else don't apply to him. And so uh, he goes down to um, a harlot there. He it says, he went into her, verse 2, when the Gazites, those were the people of Gaza. Uh, this is, if, if, if it sounds familiar to the Gaza Strip, that's because it's the same area. Uh, when the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, in the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Hebron is outside of the land of um, the Philistines. It's in Judah, 37 miles away. So he is one strong dude, and uh, he appears just to be mocking them here. Uh, but I, 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 you know, it's it, it's interesting to me, uh, th- however, that uh, when you have been uh, when you've been flirting with sin and indulging in sin, you will take more and more risks. Not with, you, you, will, you will take more and more risks sort of venturing into the waters of sin, not caring about the danger of the waters or, or, or the danger getting greater and greater. And, and he's, he's, he's willing to go into the land of the Philistines who he knows hates him. Uh, and, and he just gets reckless with sin. And, and I have seen this Over the years, Um, just as a pastor, uh, with with people that you know, Christians they will they will backslide into sin, and then they just get more and more reckless uh, with it, Uh, and uh, take to be willing to take more and more risks. Uh, with their sins, oh, I'm not going to get that venereal disease, or I'm not going to be caught by that husband, or I'm not going to, uh, you know, get in trouble with the uh, w- with the law. They're not going to get me. And uh, that's just the nature of sin. In the Bible, um, Hebrews three thirteen, and also in the book of James, sin is described as deceitful, meaning it will deceive you. It will it will it will say to you, you see, you got, you got away with it the last time. Why would you think you're not going to get away with it again? And, and it has a way of deceiving. And so, um, but he's willing to take uh, these risks and, uh, and go right into the land of the Philistines. The, uh, why is he venturing outside of Israel? Just because he's really, really caught up in sensuality at this time. The Hebrews, even though they themselves are in a backslidden state, uh, they're nothing compared to the Philistines and the kind of sensuality that um, he would have discovered on the streets uh, would have been much greater, much a much greater allure. Uh, But so he uh, just rips up the gate, he mocks them, and he brings them to Hebron afterward. Verse four. It happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And so, uh, interesting here, it says he loved her. Uh, previous, it doesn't say him, talk about him loving any of the women, including his, the woman he married. He was just using them, he was just attracted to them. But this woman really got him, this woman, uh, Delilah. We don't know if she herself was a prostitute. Temple prostitution was very prevalent at that time with the Philistines. Uh, But um, I think Hollywood's probably got it right. I no doubt she was a bombshell. And um, it says he loved her. Verse 5, And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him to afflict him and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Wow. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and with, what, and with what you may be bound to afflict you. Does that strike you as a weird question? What may be bound to afflict you? Like, uh, I, I just hint, hint, when someone asks you this question, they, they pro- you may love them, they probably don't love you. Uh, with, uh, how can you be afflicted? Um, so Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room, and she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson, but he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what you may be bound with. And so he said to her, if they bind me securely with new ropes that have never been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. And therefore Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And men were lying in wait, staying in the room, but he broke them off his arms like a thread. Verse 13, Delilah said to Samson, until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. If you if, if you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. And so she wove it tightly with the, with the batten of the loom and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. Now, uh, most commentators will take note that notice how at this point uh, they're getting closer. He's letting, um, he's letting her get closer to is the real secret of his strength, which is, which is in the length of his hair. Meaning he's just willing to take greater and greater and greater risks with him. And again, she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. Verse 15. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? I mean, this is truly a pathetic scene, right? I mean, he clearly knows by now that this woman is so, so, so not trustworthy Uh, and uh, she's saying, well, how how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death that he told her all his heart, and he said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Hey, you know, uh, I just want to pause there and... and uh, Reiterate what what we talked about last time. the uh, The Bible is so very clear that um, a Christian man should not be unequally yoked with a woman who's not a Christian, and a Christian woman should not be unequally yoked uh, with a man who's not a Christian. Second Corinthians six verse. 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness. You know, there is a tendency to look at this as we prayed before. There's a tendency to look at the story and think to yourself, this is so far from my reality. It's so far from my reality, this story about Samson. Uh, yet, look what happens to him. It says that um, in verse 18, when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to him, brought her uh, the money into her hand, And then she lulled him to sleep on her knees, called for a man, and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him. Some say it's weaken him. Uh, Some translations say weaken him. And his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in prison. There's a part of everyone in this room that is a Samson. And how many times have I seen uh, compromise, the kind of compromise that is, is described um, in Second Corinthians 6. Do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. It may be marriage, but it may be something else. You've yoked yourself, you've connected yourself uh, to to. Uh, a person or people or a group or a job or something um, which there's just, there's just sin there. there. There's something that is inherently opposed to the Word of God there. And, and uh, it's interesting to me that the, just the patience of the Lord that, that Samson had already violated the first two parts of the Nazirite vow. The first part of the Nazirite vow, um, never eating uh, a, a grape or drinking f- the extract from a grape. And uh, he appears, we've already seen that, he appears to have violated that. He, The second one, he violated the, the second... Um, the. the e- or touching um, a, a dead body or an unclean thing, he he violated that, but the Lord, in His mercy, which I really don't understand, allowed Samson to keep his power, and which is which is shocking to me. Um. It's not until the third one, where his hair is cut off, that. Um, He loses, it says at the end of verse 20, the Lord had departed from him. Why did the Lord wait that long? I I really don't know. Um, But I do know this, that whether it's a Christian marrying an unbeliever or it's a Christian connecting themselves in a relationship with someone else or a group or whatever, over time, over time, I've seen them violate every bit of their consecration to God. And and it goes slowly. Again, first it's the deadline with honey in it. And and, and then it's walking through the grape fields. And, and then it's cutting off the hair until uh, to the point where the the, the power of the Lord has departed. And uh, it, it, it's so important that um, you know, we, we understand that this really, really, really uh, could be us. And w- we cannot take uh, for granted. We cannot take for granted when God is using us that somehow we can be cavalier with our obedience to the Word of God. In Second Timothy, there is a verse that um, uh, perplexes many people. Um, I actually shared it with the uh, with the church the other day. Let's see if I can find it. It's in um, Second Timothy. It says um, in Second Timothy two. Uh, Eleven. It says, if we died with Jesus, we shall also live with Jesus. If we endure, we will also reign with Jesus. If we deny Jesus, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, and he cannot deny himself. So the, per- the part about this verse that's perplexing to people is, what does that mean if we deny Jesus? A lot of translations say, I actually prefer the translation that say, if we forsake Jesus, he will forsake us. Does that mean that once the Lord does does a sovereign work on your heart and comes into your life and washes and regenerates you by the Holy Spirit and you become born again, that you can lose your salvation? Absolutely not. The Bible doesn't teach that. However, like Samson, what we can do is we can just get to the point that notwithstanding the fact that we're being used in other people's lives, we can get to the part where the power of God, he just he forsakes us in that sense. He says, you're on your own now. And oftentimes what happens it, well, it's, it's an ugly, ugly ending. We wind up in the bottom of a barrel. At which time we cry out to God like Samson does. And at the end of, um, at the end of his life, it's interesting, last week uh, my son Sam taught on Jehoram who died in his sin. Samson does not die in his sin. He actually has a glorious ending, which is the grace of God is so bizarre. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I would I, I, if I was the Lord, I would put this guy on the sidelines until he dies. Uh, not the Lord. Uh, but um, what, what, a, uh, uh, what a verse to chew on right there in Judges 16, verses 20, the last phrase. He did not know that the Lord had departed from him. That can happen to you. Not in the sense that you lose your salvation, because the Bible says the Holy Spirit is put in you as a seal guaranteeing what is to come. It says that multiple times in the New Testament. But in terms of him like coming alongside of you to prosper your life and to use you in ministry, it absolutely can happen. Look. God didn't put the book of Judges in here. I mean, the, the, the story of Samson, in which more verses are dedicated to Samson, the book of Judges, than any other judge, just because he thought it might be, oh, well, let's just do that, Was well, some random thing. No, there's a purpose. Th- there's a purpose um, for this. And so, um, why, don't we, uh, why don't we go on here? Says um, the Philistines uh, took him and put out his eyes and brought him to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder. He became became a grinder in prison. Oh, I I I, I forgot. I have a note here. Uh, something else. Another 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 great great little phrase here is at the end of seventeen of chapter 16 when he is telling her the secret of his power. The secret of his power, by the way, was not his hair. It was his consecration. It was those three, three things. He'd already broken the first two, and he, he hadn't, the, the, uh, hadn't the third one yet. So, but, but, but anyway, it says, if I am shaven, end of verse 17, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man and and so i um i just wanted to tell you christians that you're not like any other man you're not like any other woman did you know that The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, In Jesus you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You're not like any other man, you're not like any other woman because you have The triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, residing within you in the person of the Holy Spirit. It's a mystery. And with the Holy Spirit inside of you, that drives you, it compels you to a life that is a life that is not like any other man like all other men just the world just going about doing whatever they want to do and the life with Jesus is so incredibly simple ay 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 what man does is complicates things it's acts 242 read the word of god be in fellowship Be in prayer and remember Jesus in communion. Because if you don't take communion, you'll you'll forget. It's not about your works. It's about the grace of God, the blood of Christ. Acts 2.42, it's so simple. You do that, God will make you into a man or woman that's not like any other man, any other woman. But if you just blow off the word of God, And start living like any other man. And forsake Acts 2.42. You will become like any other man. Like any other woman. I love that. I just love it as, um, you know, it's, it's so powerful. Oh, man, I hope I can find what I'm looking for. Oh, God, help me, please. What am I looking for here? I'm reading this book on Sojourner Truth. She is a... uh, She lived in the early 1800s although she made she died in something like eight she died after the Civil War and it's just remarkable reading um, about her life and uh, you know I'm I here it is right here it's remarkable r- uh, reading about her life she, she's an illiterate woman she was um, born into... A slavery in New York. Uh, New York City actually had more slaves than any other city and when she was born in 1790 other than Charleston, South Carolina. Um, the things that happened in the North were horrendous um, because, and you'd never hear about them uh, because it w- Slavery throughout the North was, most of the, most of the North was, I think all of the North was abolished by the time the Civil War. But the, the even in the 18, early 1800s, what was happening in the North was just heartbreaking. Um, just children, as a matter of course, being sold off to different, um, as soon as they were six or seven, they were sold. And um, slavery in the South, the things that were happening were um, were probably much worse in the whole, but certain things were really bad because because there was only two or three slaves per household if that in 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 the south there were very there were many 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 uh communities of slaves living with themselves on plantations and the advantage there was that um the the slave owner needed the children so the children stayed stayed but you just i'm reading this book and it's just so heartbreaking just as a matter of course They were sold in the north as soon as they reached six or seven. So Sojourner Truth. How many of you heard of Sojourner Truth? So um, all her siblings were sold. She was sold when she was nine. So she had five or six siblings. They were all sold. Then her own children were sold. Just And all to different families. Um, So just heartbreaking stuff. And she was completely illiterate. Um, And uh, but uh, she... Uh, became born again, and although I don't think the author is uh, is a Christian, n- maybe they are. I, I have my doubts, but um, she does good. The author does justice to what uh, to what um, happened in Sojourner Truth's life. Um, it says that. It, it, if, if Sojourner Truth were to explain what it was that enabled her to go from an illiterate slave to a person who is in Abraham Lincoln's office um, and a major force in the, in the uh, anti-slavery m- movement, it says she would have explained that the force that brought her from the sole murder of slavery into the authority of public advocacy was the power of the holy spirit her ability to call upon a supernatural power gave her a resource claimed by millions of black women and by disempowered people the world over without a doubt it was truth's religious face that transformed her from isabella a domestic servant into sojourner truth um, she left slavery. So I think in 1827, um, th- New York uh, abolished slavery except for children. Children had to w- be slaves until they were 20 years old, but if you were over 20, um, you were freed. But um, it says she, she, fr- so, but she left. Unle- so many slaves just they didn't know what to do because th- uh, you've probably read about this, the Emancipation Proclamation proclamation and the victory in the civil war that didn't do a whole lot for slaves they were so uneducated they didn't know how to free themselves they just stuck around as indentured servants and they they looked like and acted like slaves no different than they were before so what in the world happened to this woman Um, it says she freed herself through the discovery of jesus love And empowered by her new religious faith, she broke out of the passivity of slavery by using the law towards her own ends. And so um, it was almost unthinkable of any, you know, a a slave at that time who had just been freed walking into the courts. Um, It it was just unthinkable. Like, there were such, they were in bondage to this this. This passive kind of, uh, you know, we've been, Im- we've been slaves all our life. That's all we're going to be till we died. But the power of the Holy Spirit broke her free from that so that she was not like any other man. And not like any other slave. She had the power of, the, of course, other slaves were Christians too. But, but she became unlike others. Um, just because of Jesus and to the end of her life, she was a preacher and she uh, went around um, um, preaching in, in, in churches and um, attributing it all to being born again. And, and the author uh, is fair and, and gives justice there. But that's what happens um, to a person When they become born again, they are no longer like any other man. Uh, We're dealing with this in Haiti. I haven't heard uh, um, Eric's sermon yet. I understand it was outstanding. But in Haiti, we we go down there, I go down there two or three times a year, so does Eric, and other people uh, go down too. But there's a terrible, terrible um, sense of passivity among defeatism, like nothing's ever going to change. And sometimes you want to shake them and say, come on, you just got to get up. You got you to put your bootstraps on and you got to go. You got to start doing stuff. And, and really, um, it's, it's one of those places where I like to go because it's truly a place where if, if the Lord doesn't do something, nothing is going to work. Nothing's going to work there. It's got to be just like this woman, Sojourner Truth realizing, wow, I have a new identity and it's in, in Christ. And all these oppressors, they are a small thing compared to God. God is so much bigger uh, than them. And so um, so that, that, that one phrase, uh, if, if I'm shaven, he says in verse 17, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. So let's uh, continue. Um, Again, it says in uh, verse 21, it says, Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in prison. And so uh, uh, many preachers uh, will preach that sin does three things. It blinds, it binds, and it grinds. You hear that? It blinds, meaning you're deceived by it. It deceives you. It binds, meaning it chains you. So you want to get away. It's like, oh wait, I didn't realize this, this thing. I thought I could get out of it easy. No, no, no. It binds, and 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 then it also grinds, meaning you'll be led into a season of life where your sin is just it, you're you're enslaved to it. It's like a becomes a grind. There's no freedom. Romans chapter six says, "We who are alive, rather, we who um, uh, have been given over to death with Jesus, just as we have been given over to death, now we have been freed with Jesus. Just as He's been, re- He went to the grave; we went to the grave with Him. Just as He resurrected, we have uh, new life with Him, and we've been." freed. But um, sin blinds, it grinds, rather it blinds, it binds, and it grinds. Verse 23, now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to rejoice. And they said, our god has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. And when the people saw him, they Praised their God, for they said, "Our God has delivered uh, into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead." So it happened when their hearts were merry, that they said to that they said, "Call for Samson, that he may perform for us." So they called for Samson from the prison, and he performed for them. And they stationed him between the pillars. I have a question for you. Back in verse 22, it says, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Have any of you ever asked when you read this story, like, why didn't they notice? Hey, his hair's his hairs, growing back. Maybe we should do something about this. I can I suggest to you that um, the Lord just blinded them to that the Lord did that one of the things I love about Alex Piagetti we um, went down to Brazil uh, I don't know was was it the last 10 years something like that uh, back and forth where Alex and his wife uh, planted a church Um, I actually learned a cool way of praying uh, about him like Alex is the type of guy you know He's coming into the customs. You know, he has bags um, filled with uh, toys for the kids and the flavelas or something, and he'll just pray. He'll pray a prayer like, "God, just blind the eyes of the custom officials. Just blind them." Now, by the way, it's legal to take toys in as long as you're not selling them. But the problem is, is as many of you know, when you go into some of these developing countries, they're like, uh, I, no, no, they confiscate them. Sometimes they want to bribe. But, you know, this is the way that, that Alex prayed. And I, I like praying things like that. Just uh, the other day, I think I, 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 I paid for my parking on my, on, on my phone. And then an hour later, I realized I hadn't pressed send. I'm like, blind the parking inspector's eyes, please, Lord. I think I'm allowed to do that, right? Even though technically I was illegally parking. I, I, I don't know. I'll ask my son later. He'll tell me the authoritative answer. But um, anyway, it's it's it's. Uh, why didn't they notice his hair growing back? Because God was blinding. He He does that. The Lord does those things, and it's important that we believe the God of the Bible. Um, I have found that um, Christians. Um, their answered prayer will be in proportion to how much they believe in the miraculous in the Bible. You take a Christian who uh, thinks that um, the world was made through evolution uh, and, and somehow God was behind it, I will guarantee you that they will have a, um, a weak prayer life in terms of answered prayer. Because if that's the God that they believe, that God cannot speak, <laughs> the world into existence. That's going to in, that it's gonna affect their prayer lives. We need to to uh, remember the uh, the power of God in the Bible. So He blinded them uh, to that. And and it says they it, it says there they they um, so they stationed him in between the pillars. And then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, uh, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. About 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. It says, And Samson took hold of the two uh, middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead... That he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. So there you have it, verse 28. The second prayer we see from Samson, O oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the, the Philistines for my two eyes. And um, I said earlier the story about Jehoram, who is Jehoshaphat's son. um, He dies in his sin. He didn't have to. He literally could have repented on his deathbed. Here's a a deathbed repentance here. And why do I I think it's repentance? Well, one, um, I I, I really do believe that... um, The fact that the Lord answered the prayer is evidence of that. But just the way that he says, I pray just this once. In other words, I don't deserve it. I know I have not deserved to have this power again in my life. I know I wasted uh, 20 years as the leader of, of these people. But just this once, Lord, let me do it. And he knew his calling. He knew what his calling was. His calling was to begin the, to the destructions of the, of the Philistines, which would be completed under King David. Um, but um, he knew his calling, so at the very end of his life, I, I don't know, I, I find it rather noble. Let me die with the Philistines. He, he, he's, he, he understands that he's going to die now. Um, most of, many of you are aware that Hebrews chapter 11 is a record of the examples of faith from the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God and it has a record of all the Old Testament saints that you and I are supposed to take as examples of faith and so it lifts uh, you know, it, it lists Abel, it lists Enoch, it lists Noah, it lists Abraham, uh, it uh, lists Isaac and and um, and Jacob uh, and Joseph and Moses, but it also lists among among others Samson. And and uh, so there is a lot that we have to learn from him. I I I think that more than anything else I think the thing that we learn from Samson is yeah if I could just conclude with a couple things um, well first I, I I think that he clearly lived in a strategic time meaning a time where the Lord wanted to use him uh, to to be glorified again in Israel to 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 rid the influence the terrible terrible influence of the philistines we saw how low they get they just throw people into the fire and burn them we saw that in the previous chapters this is who was controlling them this was their governors this is God's people were supposed to be ruling the land, and people like that were ruling the land. It was a strategic time, and Samson blew it. He really did. He had all those giftings, um, and for for 20 years, yeah, there were some s- some victories. But he was, he's this guy. He's like into tying foxes' tails, uh, weird stuff like that, and 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 his riddles and. Picking up a gate and walking around with, I, he he was a showboater, and in many respects, he just frittered away his twenty years during a very strategic time. And I look at today, and I I I just think we are living in a strategic time, in the sense that thirty years ago what is now openly practiced and protected by law, and laws are being passed to protect it. 30 years, 40 years ago, the American public would have gasped and thought the, the behaviors were like an abomination, like the worst thing in the world. It's a strategic time. And so much of the church, however, is so intoxicated by the prosperity of the land. It's like, I, it's, it's really okay. I got my house. I got my car. I got my career. That they're li- living compromised life and people with just serious, serious giftings in their life. Serious giftings in their life. It's on the shelf. Oh, how hard it is for a pastor to see when uh, men and women just have obvious giftings. But man, they're on the, Whatever the the track the the tract that leads to a pot of gold at the end, and and you know it's it's interesting the mercy of God He still uses Samson at the end of his life, but does that really want what we want the record of our life to be? D- did any of you pick up the lyrics of the the, the last song that that Tiffany sang? Um, What was that song? You are good, good. And so one of the lyrics was, uh, Lord, be the echo of my life. Is that right? Be the echo of my life. Wouldn't that be amazing? If we die and the echo of our life that just goes out, is a life faithful to the Lord? Wow. You know, unfortunately, the echo of Samson's life is, is uh complicated we'll just we'll just say that um, and so uh, uh, I think we'll leave it at that why don't we uh, Eddie can you get up and let's have a time of, of prayer now and if you could flip the lights back there John and I think that uh, you know I, I we are we are powerless without the Lord's anointing. and that's what um, that's what Samson discovered. He just assumed that to the very end he was going to be this guy who uh, was going to be able to y- 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 you notice how it says it. It, it, it says that um, even after his hair was cut off, he awoke and said, well, I'll go out as before and at other times and shake myself free. There's just the assumption that if the Lord has used us once, that he's always going to use us. And not true. We're powerless without a consecrated life to the Lord.